Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for episode 122 of our show, in which we will conclude. You probably thought that we did it with episode 121, talking about Captain America, but it's actually going to be episode 122, in which we conclude our In the End Game series. But before we get into that, I have some folks to thank. Thank you very much to Kenneth Roop, Federico Davola, Rick Sampson, and Chad Leak. They are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, which means they have access to content that is not available anywhere else. And that includes Patreon credit scenes, where we have additional discussion on top of most of the main episodes that we do. So for episode 122, Paul wasn't able to join me, but I went ahead and I highlighted some of the other characters, several more characters that we didn't actually get to in our In the Endgame series, but I thought were still well worth mentioning. Characters like Nick Fury and Valkyrie and Loki and M'Baku, so I talked about that. But I also brought up how Kevin Feige recently said that Spider-Man Far From Home is the end of Phase 3, not so much the beginning of Phase 4. So I talked about that in the Patreon credit scene as well. So that additional content is available for just a dollar a month, which also gives you access to the main show 24 hours early. So that includes episodes like this one that you're hearing now. It also will include our upcoming Avengers Endgame spoiler review. You hear these shows a day early if you are one of our patrons at any level, but we have other tiers with other exclusives, including multiple Q&A shows every week, a Monday through Friday news show that I host called The Daily Bugle, a monthly exclusive episode, plus another monthly exclusive, The Marvel Unlimited Book Club, in which we discuss comics. And to make your experience with all of that exclusive content as convenient as possible... Your membership in our Patreon also comes with an exclusive RSS link that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts and subscribe to, so that way you get the main show as well as all of the Patreon exclusive shows in one feed. You don't have to track down the content in multiple places. It gets to be all in one spot. And one last thing worth mentioning might just be the highlight of our Patreon, and that is our Patreon-exclusive Discord community where we're talking about Marvel every day. We've got a wonderful little community there, and I hope to see you become a part of it. And you can find out all of this information on all the different tiers we have over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And with all the announcements complete, let's get on with our show. Hello and welcome to episode 122 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber. I am joined by Paul Herman. How are you doing, Paul? I am well. We just got finished talking about Captain America, and I'm not feeling too good right now. <laughs> yes, we did talk about Captain America for our In the Endgame series back in episode 121, but we're recording a lot of these shows in advance, so as we're recording this episode... It's actually a few weeks out uh, before Avengers Endgame hits theaters, but Paul's got some traveling to do for Star Wars Celebration, so make sure you're following him at Herman22 with two N's on Twitter for all of his Star Wars Celebration updates. Uh, but also, uh, this will probably end up being the last episode you hear from us, because this is not going to go out close to when we're recording it. I'm going to be saving it. Uh, for before Endgame. So this is going to be the last episode you hear most likely, uh, be, unless something else comes up. But this should be the last one you hear before our Avengers Endgame spoiler review. Now, I know it might have sounded like our In the Endgame series ended with Captain America, but it didn't. We have one last stop. We have one more character to discuss before we conclude this, or as we conclude this in the Endgame series. We've been talking a lot about heroes over the past several weeks, but all those heroes just lost. Well, except for Captain Marvel. She wasn't there. But the guy who won in the last Avengers movie was Thanos, and we haven't talked about him yet, but this is a character, even though he didn't have, uh, even though his big Marvel Cinematic Universe story was saved for Avengers Infinity War. We've been dealing with this guy since he turned around and we saw some of his face in the Avengers in 2012. 
He was in Tony's head for six years. He's been in our imaginations now for the past seven years in terms of this MCU iteration. So it's time to put Thanos, the Mad Titan, in the endgame. And as far as an arc for this character, Paul, it's easy enough to see because it's all in Avengers Infinity War. But I think there are some little pieces that you can gather from his previous appearances in Avengers, as well as Age of Ultron and Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, that we can talk a little bit about. But then the main, the bulk of his journey was in Avengers Infinity War, and of course we will see more in Avengers Endgame. But I think the biggest difference from Infinity War versus everything else is Infinity War is the moment where Thanos really pays off that idea from the mid-credit scene in Age of Ultron where he says, fine, I'll do it myself. Well, we don't really see him doing it himself for a few more years until Avengers Infinity War. Now, the main catalyst for that is capturing Nebula and realizing that she would be a, that Gamora was aware of the location of the Soul Stone because I think that's what Thanos wanted to do and the Russos have said as much as well that the reason Thanos uh, was all of a sudden uh, ready to make his move and get all the stones is because before he was trying to do things uh, he was trying to be a little more covert about it. That's why he was hiring other people. That's why he was even willing to risk the one stone that he had, the Mind Stone and the Scepter, in order for Loki to be able to go get a second stone, uh, the Tesseract, which had the Space Stone in, in uh, the Avengers, hiring Ronan to retrieve the orb with the Power Stone. So him trying to have other people gather those things for him, I think the point was he didn't want everybody in the universe to know that he was making those kinds of moves because then people might try to go stop him. Uh, so he had uh, he was being a little more methodic, a little more secretive about that approach. But then once he knew where the soul stone was, it was like, okay, well, now I know where all six stones are, so I'm just going to go get them as quickly as I can because here's my opportunity to do that uh, in such a short time period that nobody's going to be able to stop me. And guess what? He was right. Nobody was able to stop him. So it's that change from Thanos. It's the idea of trying to be uh, having a secretive approach, hiring other people to do his bidding, uh, to being the guy who's going to go just get all the stones in a relatively short amount of time, in the span of about a week, if you count the fact that he got the Power Stone, uh, is, as Thor says, he decimated Xandar. That was uh, the week before the events of Avengers Infinity War. So Thanos just kind of stepping up and being and uh, you know really getting into the forefront of the action. That was a, a relatively new thing for him. But as we saw, I mean, this is a guy who was capable all along and was already formidable because he's not really using the Power Stone. He has it. But he's not using the Power Stone, and the Russos have confirmed this because you don't see it lighting up on the gauntlet. Uh, he doesn't have to use the Power Stone to whoop Hulk's ass. This is a guy who's uh, formidable even without Infinity Stones, uh, but with him, he proved to be unstoppable. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the Avengers do with this guy in Endgame uh, because he's been he's been shown to be pretty unbeatable up to this point. I think you bring up a great point about Thanos and how he went about getting the Stones in a different way. Very much a uh, Justin Bulger, Emperor Palpatine uh, <laughs> uh, way. As a uh, Justin would would be, you know, I knew he'd like Thanos. I knew he he told me. And, and for those who don't know, Justin Bulger is a very good friend of ours, and uh, his favorite character is Emperor Palpatine. And Thanos kind of displayed a little bit of that, I think, in those films, like using Ronan, using Loki. Uh, you know, again, those are very. I'll be, I'm just going to say it, Emperor Palpatine kind of moves because he would use different people to, you know, it's like he would lose one game to win two more later down the road. And that's kind of what Thanos was doing. And I love the fact that it's, it's very, it's very, very discreet. Whereas in, with Emperor Palpatine, it's a little more obvious. And with, with Thanos though, like you said, Sean, he's has other people doing things for him. And it, it's, it's, there's a method to his madness. And like you said, that, He's trying to figure out how he can capture all these without becoming so uh, obvious, and it make and it makes sense. So, what, what what's cool about Thanos is that he is so powerful, and that he has all these minions slash children that he uh, leads, but yet they all fear him. It's not like they all have ganged up on him either. It, there's he, you know, one of the things I again I've been bringing up Star Wars again because. I think Thanos is one of the better sci-fi villains, if not is one of the greatest comic book villains and or Marvel comic book film villains anyway ever. And I think with Thanos, 
what's interesting if you look at Star Wars is that you have the whole, you know, the Sith rule of two. You can only, be, you know, one, no more, no less than two because whatever. If you have too many villains, they all try to get gang up on each other. And and it very much could be that way considering with – and I've, in the comics, this even happens. Ebony Maw betrays Thanos and obviously in Infinity War doesn't happen. What I like about what Infinity War shows is how much more powerful Thanos is than everybody. Like, without the gauntlet. It, yeah. It, that's the whole thing about Thanos is that no one can take him out. The dude is – his children could try to take him out, a.k.a. the Black Order, if if, if Corvus and Ebony Maw and Proxima and Cole Obsidian all came after Thanos, they'd all d- lose because Thanos is that, just that powerful. And we're going to see what, again, we're probably going to see in my, my prediction in, uh, I'm not probably not there yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Um, but like I said, I like the fact that how he's just not a chump, you know, like Loki, Loki's kind of a chump in the first Avengers movie. Like it's, you know, Thor is taking on Loki while the rest of the Avengers are taking care of all the, the Chitari and then to close the portal. That's the end of the movie. It's not like they have to gang up against, uh, Loki, Ultron, a little bit more of a, of an adversary, but let's be real: is Ultron bots is the reason why Ultron was able to subdue the Avengers for so long. You know, he's not quite quite as of a chump as Loki when he takes on all the Avengers, but it's, he's not exactly Thanos either, right? Well, Thanos is Thanos. Thanos is took the Hulk out, no problem. I mean, yep. It again, people criticize the fact that there's no way that Thanos would be able to defeat Hulk in the comics. And I get why they say that. But again, we've gone on record. I, I keep reiterating this. I want people to understand is that I'm willing to sacrifice a comic book accurate Hulk for an MC, MCU version Hulk so Thanos can get some good licks in and show the audience, you know what? This whole character that pretty much is a game changer for the Avengers took him out without breaking a sweat. So this is a formidable, formidable, formidable opponent. And, th- you know, you don't have these guys ganging up on him, betraying him, which I thought was going to happen. I, I I did have in the back of my mind, Sean, that I thought the Black Order was possibly going to betray Thanos at some point. Because, again, it's in the comic books. Mm-hmm. But when as soon as Ebony Maw like went floating out. I was like, well, there goes that idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, but again, I like it because it shows that Thanos is whatever. He's, all these people are, when Gamora, when Gamora goes into the gem, that's what I'm calling it, um, and it's, it, it, he sacrifices her to get the soul gem, he doesn't, it's again, it's like he's sad, but he's going to do it. Even though he loves her so much, everyone is expendable to Thanos. Mm-hmm. And I just I love I just love that that he's just so again, he's kind of like a Steve Rogers, if you will. Right. He's like the Hulk and Steve Rogers merge into one, meaning except it's like, he's willing to make sacrifices that Steve Rogers won't. And I, right. I agree. Know, so that, like that's the thing that I think was so significant about Thanos's arc in Avengers Infinity War is the idea of him having this love for Gamora. And I know that people want to say that he abuses her so he can't possibly love her. You know, what he makes her do means he doesn't love her. And I understand all the reasons people feel that way. Um, and I'm not trying, I don't want to really get too much into that debate other than to say within the rules of this world, he must have loved her, even though he wasn't the best father, uh, never mind, not even the best, even though he was a terrible father by the rules of the soul stone, he must have loved Gamora because if he didn't, he would not be able, uh, he would not get the soul stone for sacrificing her. So he loves her. And it's, she's the one thing in the entire universe, you know, the one person uh, that he loves in the entire universe. And he makes that sacrifice. And he doesn't even really hesitate. I mean, he turns around, I'm sorry, little one, grabs her arm, throws her over the cliff on Vormir. And he does what so many Avengers are not willing to do. There are some who were willing to make sacrifices. Star-Lord was willing to shoot and kill Gamora. Thanos just stopped him from doing it. Uh, Scarlet Witch was ultimately willing to sacrifice Vision. And Thanos was the one who stopped her from doing it. But there were other characters, 
not willing to trade lives. Steve was not willing to do that. Even Gamora wasn't willing to do that. She wasn't willing to let, as we talked about in our Guardians episode, she wasn't willing to let Nebula suffer and or die uh, in order to protect the location of the Soul Stone, even though Gamora knew that was the key piece. If Thanos was going to get the Soul Stone, there was going to be no stopping him from getting the rest. And so for, but she still wasn't willing to pay that price. Thanos was willing to pay it. And I think that was part of what made him such a compelling character. And going on this story with him is you realize that this is a guy who, and I'm not saying Thanos was right. I'm not saying Thanos's plan makes a ton of sense. It makes a ton of sense to him. It makes sense to him because this was the idea that he had. He knew something was going to go wrong on Titan. He had an idea. They didn't take his idea, and then, of course, disaster happened. What he knew was going to happen ultimately came to fruition uh, because his and his home planet was destroyed because they didn't do what he thought was the best thing that they could have done. And then he went about doing this. Just you know, he didn't start cutting down the populations of planets in half in Avengers: Infinity War. We know he was doing it before that. He did that on Gamora's planet. And in his mind, he's seen it work. He thinks Gamora's planet is now a paradise because the children have full bellies, as he put it. So Thanos has a belief that what he's doing is right, even though it's completely genocidal and horrible. Uh, but he has a belief that what he's doing is right, that this is how he has to save the universe. And he's willing to sacrifice whatever it takes in order to not to steal the tagline from the trailers of Avengers Endgame, but he's willing to, he was willing to do it. Uh, he was willing to sacrifice it all. When even Gamora asks him, little Gamora in the Soul Stone says, you know, what did it cost? Everything. He was willing to pay everything. Uh, and then he, that's why it's, you know, that's why in that weird, twisted way, he is the protagonist of Avengers Infinity War. Or even if he's still the antagonist as far as the Avengers and Guardians are concerned, it's still his story because uh, he's the one who goes on that journey and pays the price and gets exact and gets the victory that he was hoping for at the end. Although, as I'm sure we'll get into, that victory is not going to last. Yeah, Thanos is, I, I have to say, and I, I don't remember if I've gone too much into detail of, of, of this, but I maybe have in our Infinity War review, but as far as the comparison of the characters from the comics, as far as Thanos in the movies and into the character from the 616 universe, I actually really prefer the MCU version at this point. Um just because Thanos is just a pure evil character in the uh, in the comic books. He's not not saying that he's he's not pure evil in the MCU and he's but or whatever, but he's way more complex in the MCU and he is just deranged. Whereas the six sixteen universe, he's like evil incarnate essentially, and there is no complexity to him in my opinion. He's a cool character. I love how evil he is, and he'll do any. You know, he's. I love his obsession yeah. with his mistress of death. I actually, that's actually one of my least favorite things about Thanos. I don't like that he's like this lovesick puppy who just wants death to love him. Like that. That part of Thanos has been one of my least favorite aspects of the character, and so like that's why I wanted if you know way back when we had theories of death being part of the story the reason i wanted it to be hella is at least hella is like an active character who talks as opposed to just this silent mistress of death i never really found that all that interesting uh, mm -hmm. for thanos i didn't think you know it's not like the concept couldn't work but i never loved the execution of it in uh, in the comics i mean it's it's okay at times but that's the th i think that's it i haven't always hated it but yeah. it's never really risen above the level of yeah that's fine but you know, but mm -hmm. one thing it certainly hasn't been is the mo one of the most interesting aspects of Thanos. I like that this Thanos just he genuinely believes in his plan. He genuinely believes that this is what he has to do, and he does see himself as a god because, uh, and that's why you have that you have that line uh, from Loki at the very beginning when he's killing him, saying, "You will never be a god." And Thanos just has this uh, he just has this smile, and you go into Infinity War in that story. And you get a little biblical with it. And what does Thanos say he's going to do when he remakes the universe? That he will rest and, you know, that he'll finally rest and smile on a grateful universe. That the world is going to, you know, the universe is ultimately going to thank him for what he did as this God that, that you know, that, that they owe their lives. They owe their existence to him because he is the God who remade 
the universe. And there's even symbolism in the idea that there are six infinity stones and God creates the universe in six days and on the seventh day he rests. And that's what Thanos is doing after he gets his six infinity stone and remakes the universe is then he goes and he rests. Like all of that for Thanos, that is him seeing himself as this deity. And for, but he back, that's the thing with Thanos though, is he backs it up. And I find all this stuff more compelling than the comics. But the advantage to this is that I don't think Thanos, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but I don't think Thanos is meant to be around forever in the MCU like he is in the comics because mm-hmm. the challenge in the comics is they have to make Thanos seem unbeatable and yet allow him to be beaten over and over and over again. I don't mm-hmm. think that's what's going to happen in the MCU. Again, I don't want to get ahead of it, but there's a piece of Thanos's psychology that has not been present yet in the MCU, and I don't really think it will be, uh, unless the plan is to keep Thanos around for a long time. There's a part of Thanos, and, and you know, when he gets confronted with this in, in the comics at different points in time, where people feel like or call it out to him that he must not feel like he really deserves this power. He must not feel like he really deserves to be a god in the universe, because every time he seems to be on the brink of having absolute power, or actually has it in his hands... He's fi- he finds some way to screw it up and let it go. You know, in Infinity Gauntlet, he disembodies himself but leaves leaves the gauntlet behind for Nebula to take. So the whole the whole reason that he becomes vulnerable and loses the gauntlet is because he just screwed up. Thanos was absent-minded. That's how he lost in Infinity Gauntlet. And there have been other points in the comics as well where Thanos just makes a mistake and he makes a very obvious and dumb mistake. And so that's part of his psychology is you say you want to do all this and you want to have control of the universe and you want to have the ultimate power, but every time you get it, you almost immediately let it go. So you must not you must not really want it. You must not feel like you deserve it. This Thanos in the MCU doesn't seem to have that problem. He wants the power. And when he gets it, he does exactly what he says he's uh, what he said he was going to do, and then he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't make a mistake after that. Maybe he'll make one in Avengers Endgame, but I don't think it's going to be the kind of dumb mistakes he's always made in the comics. The the Avengers are really going to have to go out of their way to outsmart this guy and then also physically beat him. We know that he is physically vulnerable. It's very difficult, but Tony Stark drew blood, and then of course Stormbreaker drew a lot of blood, mm-hmm. <laughs> so. We know that you know you can pierce his skin. You can physically kill this guy, uh, but it is extremely hard to do, uh, even without a gauntlet. But then you give him one, and it's it's that much more difficult. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I totally understand why people don't would not like the death idea from the comic books. I I, I like it, and again, I like Thanos' character from the comics. But I think in in the contrast to this Thanos. I love what we're getting. And I, and I love the fact that they're very different, but they're very similar too. at the same way. Again, there's, I love his obsession with balancing the universe and his justification for doing that. I've all, I've just really, that was a real genius take. And again, it's, it's the idea of death. And again, they're in a very strange way that they do parallel each other. The, the two characters, because Thanos' obsession with the mistress of death is, again, going back to the idea of dying and and Thanos obs- obsessing over death. In, you know, it's, it's obviously a uh, – uh, what's the word? A uh, Oh, my gosh. I'm thinking of the word. But it, it, it's obviously a, a uh, some kind of greater meaning to that with mm. Thanos, right? Like that's obvious with the character in the comic books where it's more literal in the films. And I like that. I like the fact that it's not so aren't beat on your head – with the comic books, it, again, it's a little more metaphor. It's what I guess, guess what I'm trying to say. I couldn't think of the word metaphor. Metaphor. That's what the, me, me, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's that's good. But that's the whole thing is that in the comics, it's all metaphor. It's It represents death itself but that but they input that in, into a infatuation with a the character of, of of him falling in love with a woman named death who is death and then in the movie it's more literal and i love the fact that it's so to me it, it felt very it felt very much the same sean and i've, I've always liked that but 
I, again, I but I like the complexities that we the reason we have this this character the, doing what he is right now and what his again his justification as far as like I am the only one who can see this like he feels again the idea of the the, the villains are the heroes in their in their own movie right like they're it's that's it's the whole idea that they they think they're the they're the right the right ones in their in their soul story and with Thanos in the comic books. It's not really that way. And again, they've made him more complex recently in the comic books. I think, and I say in the last, like I'd say five, eight years, they've really done a better job of fleshing out his oh, character yeah. and, and giving him more sympathy and et cetera, et cetera. But to me, I always think of Thanos from the Ron Mars um, and uh, Ron Lim, you know, all George Perez, uh, Jim Starlin, Infinity Gauntlet, where he's just evil, evil incarnate, and that's all I needed. So I'm not saying these new stories are bad. I know Jason Aaron had a recent uh, recent run on the character, uh, a miniseries with, with Simone uh, Blanc- Blanche. Uh, I always butcher names. So uh, I never, I have it. I never read it, but I want to. But yeah, it, it's never, to me, I don't think Thanos needed to have that in the comic books, but in the film, I just think they did a great job adapting the character again, taking the character in, in ways that I didn't necessarily, you know, disagree with. And the fact that again, they took the ideas of that character of the, and took that metaphor and made it literal and it just, it's just, it's a perfect carryover. So I, I really do feel. And when you look at Thanos in infinity war, he is probably one of the better from page to screen adaptations from look and personality and motivation that I think that you could do. Whereas it's not just like a, a literal translation, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's a, you know, and maybe we can talk about that on the show at some point in the future. when We don't have as much to talk about, uh, but talking about these, these characters and these things that are really, are some of the better interpretations of comic book characters, but they're not literal. Like, like, again, like I think of Captain America is very, I would say the exact opposite of that. Whereas Chris Evans, Captain America is very, very, very close to what the Captain America character is in the 616 universe and, and pretty consistent to that character. Whereas this Thanos is a lot different. And again, but it works in the context of the motivations are very similar that way, but they just kind of alter some of the personality, but it's all for the benefit of the character and mm-hmm. making it more relatable. So I feel that this character is one of the better examples of taking the comic book character, not taking it verbatim, taking the influences of that character and making it something different. And I think they've improved on the character. So, and again, I love Thanos. I, I, in the nineties, I love Thanos and I always will love Thanos, that character, but I love this MCU version. It's some, it's so much better. It's so much better cinematic character that we've, we could have got totally No, And I, I like the MCU Thanos better as well. Now, the MCU Thanos could not be, and I always try to be careful about this, about this when I make this point of when I like an MCU version, or I like a not just MCU, but a comic book movie adaptation of a comic book character, if I think that that's an improvement on the source material, that always comes with the understanding that it still couldn't exist without the, founda- without the foundation of the source material. There are, what they've done is they've taken some of the best ideas about Thanos from the comics and then, yeah, left some things behind or reinterpreted certain things and then added certain dimensions to the character um, to make it that much more of a, a well-rounded and complete character. And so I think that's what they've achieved with Thanos. And the way they've elevated Thanos for me is that I always liked Thanos a lot in Marvel Comics. Uh, I've always, and I, it's, it's probably not a shocker, it's not that uh, crazy to even think about, but I think it's just because of the looks of these characters, and obviously I know they were created not that far apart. Uh, I always loved Darkseid from DC, and I always loved Thanos from Marvel because I always thought they were two really cool-looking villains, and they're very. I know there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences between the two characters. But Thanos, I was always on board with, always a big fan of. Infinity Gauntlet was one of the first you know Marvel event series that I really followed and enjoyed, and so I liked it and. And so I was, and I was a big fan of that whole idea of Thanos, and I've always enjoyed that character, and always, you know, paid attention when he was going to come back in a big way. 
in Marvel Comics. And even Jonathan Hickman's uh, Infinity, which I can't believe that's already six years old, that story. Um, but Hickman's Infinity, I love some of the stuff that Thanos has done when he had his own ongoing series. We're going to be talking about the Thanos Wins arc in our Marvel Unlimited book club this month. Speaking of which, we have a lot of exclusive content on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Uh, we have Patreon credit scenes, additional conversations on top of these main episodes, uh, Monday through Friday daily news show, Q&A episodes, lots of content, all available at the Patreon. And if you sign up, you do get, you do get your own RSS feed, so you get all of the exclusives as well as the main show all in one spot. And so for more information, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Uh, but as far as, you know, Getting back to the idea of elevating Thanos and enjoying so many different aspects of this character from the comic and then seeing it in the MCU and liking it better, Thanos wasn't my favorite Marvel villain. So I, I always like, in the comics, I've always liked Doctor Doom more than I like Thanos. But now with this MCU version, I like Thanos just as much as I like Doctor Doom. And when we eventually see Doctor Doom in the MCU, now Doctor Doom is going to have real competition. Before, I would have been like, hey, as soon as Doctor Doom's in this, instant favorite. Uh, but now there's actually competition. If Doctor Doom is going to become my favorite villain in the MCU, uh, he's going to have to come a long way because of what they've done with uh, Thanos. I think this is a very interesting, very well-rounded, very fascinating character, and obviously a tremendous challenge for the heroes because no other villain has been able to end the movie like this uh, with this kind of victory. Joker actually won in The Dark Knight, but Batman worked around it. There was no working around the end of Avengers Infinity War. Now, I do believe that some of what Thanos achieved, or maybe even most of what he achieved, if you just go by body count, is going to be undone in Avengers Endgame. But even to undo that, it's going to cost the Avengers a lot. And so uh, this villain has been, this is probably the most formidable antagonist that we've ever seen in comic book movie history not just the mcu and he's been great i think thanos has after what he did in infinity war and if they bring it home again if uh, as long as they don't ruin his momentum in avengers endgame if they can just sustain what infinity war started and bring it to a satisfying finish thanos doesn't just go down as the top in the mcu he goes down as one of the as one of the greatest cinematic villains of all time I genuinely believe that that's where Thanos could be, uh, but obviously you got to finish it with Avengers Endgame. Uh, but speaking of finishing it, I do think the endgame for Thanos is that he dies. I, I think that he dies in Avengers Endgame. I know he's been a recurring villain for a long time in Marvel Comics, but I feel like the way they've set him up in the MCU is that he's too powerful to be left alive. You can't just beat... What are you going to do? You beat the guy. You throw him in jail? I mean, now I know in comics that he dies and he, and he comes back, so maybe he still comes back from the dead at some point in the MCU. But for the purposes of this story, I think he dies, and then I think he's gone for a while, if not forever, because he's just too powerful. He already beat the Avengers once, so you have to, you have to take him out. And I'm okay with that, because the other thing is, if we're talking about ending this era of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, well, the threat that's been lingering throughout this era has been Thanos. So when we talk about ending the story, certainly resolving the issue of the main central threat that's been barreling towards us this entire time, uh, or, well, at, at the very least, for most of this time since the Avengers, I feel like eliminating that threat once and for all is an important part of ending the story uh, because it's also something that you need for, I think, other villains to rise in the future is... If Thanos is always out there and always as the top dog, then there's always going to be that idea of, oh, well, let's just, it's not that big a deal. We'll just wait and see when Thanos comes back. But I think if Thanos is gone, then you can just really shift the focus to other villains. Uh, Thanos, even though he's only been prominently featured in one film, he's been in this space for a long time. And so it, it feels like a, a fitting conclusion for me for, for Thanos to be, uh, for, to be dealt with once and for all. So I do expect this to be the true endgame for Thanos. Uh, and we won't see him again after this, at least not in the present day, or at least not for a long time. A long time from now, who knows? Maybe he comes back from the dead. But I think he is going to be dead and gone for a while. And so if we ever get to see him again in the MCU in the near future, it's going to be in stories set in the past. I I, I agree with you, Sean, that he's not he's not going to be in he's not going to be a villain down the road. I think this will be his last his last foray into anything because you've basically had, I don't want to say 
22 film buildup, but you've had at least 10 years of buildup for not even 10 years. I'd say eight years. Let's say, let's say eight years when you say the, um, uh, from Avengers, right? So, or whatever, nine years, whatever, nine, seven, whatever it is. I don't know. My math is bad. Don't, everyone knows. Don't it's six years at the start of the Avengers. Oh, oh, in terms of when we in the story or when we saw it, when we saw it, Oh, seven, it's been seven years since the Avengers. See, my math is terrible. So either way, seven years, my point is I'm going to go ahead and say seven years of buildup for this, for this moment we're going to get in end game. And I think that there's no way you can make him survive. The only way, the only way he could survive is if he becomes something like the red skull or something like what happened to Gamora where he's trapped forever that he's never coming out of and that he's kind of, he's stuck with nothing. And I almost feel like it's almost like an eternal prison, if you will. So the fact, and I think that if Gamora does again, going back to the soul stone, going back Mm -hmm. to the comics with Drax and when silver surfer were stuck in the soul stone and they had to bust out, uh, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that there's going to be Gamora's in the Soul Stone, and you're going to see her, like, like she's going to help trap him in there, and that potentially is something like that, and that's what's going to happen to him. I think that's a very like, not likely, but a very high possibility, where we'll see Thanos, in, like, like a like a Red Skull. Where it, not like a Red Skull, because I think Red Skull is pretty much gone now. Like he he served his purpose with being that guardian or whatever. And then I think they've already gone on record saying that he's now like he's free. If they said he's free, that doesn't mean he's that means he could actually come back now in the story. He's right. He's free of that curse. Right. My point is, I don't think it's something that he can come back from. I think he's once he'll be damned there forever. And so that's where I kind of stand with, with this whole thing is that she is, or he is, Going if if he doesn't just flat out just get his head chopped off or whatever or gets you know the cap you know pulls a bomb and uh, attached to himself and, and attaches himself to then Thanos and says I'll be with you to the end and then goes you know and blows up and <laughs> you know, something like that happening which very well could happen uh, what I do I think that's a very high chance of that Thanos could be tricked. So not tricked, but somehow at the very end they they put him into this the soul gem where he's stuck forever and ever and will never get out. And I think something like that could happen where he put where he put Gamora, they'll put him and they'll just throw away the key kind of a thing. Kind of like they kind of talk about that, you know. Uh, yeah, we talked about know. it for the Thanos imperative on one of yeah. our uh, on one of our Marvel Unlimited book club episodes. For more information, yeah. please visit patreoncom News. But we talked about that because that is that is an alternative that I, I should have mentioned because it's it's killing Thanos without killing Thanos because that's what it was in Thanos Imperative. So sorry for spoiling this if you haven't read it, but I'm giving I'm talking slowly to give you time to like exit this show and thank you for being here uh, if if you don't want to have that story spoiled. But the way that kind of worked is there was a different dimension, a different universe. And there were heroes who stayed behind to keep Thanos there. And that's also plays in the idea of heroes making a sacrifice is that heroes stayed behind to keep Thanos in this universe as it was collapsing on itself. And as its connection to the 616 universe was crumbling. So the idea was that Thanos would either die because that universe was collapsing in on itself, or at the very least he would be trapped there permanently. And so effectively Thanos was dead. The heroes who stayed behind, they were dead. They got statues and the whole thing. You know, they there were memorials. So that is one way of, for the purposes of the story, Thanos is dead, and even a hero, hero or heroes who stayed behind to trap him there are dead. But obviously, it gives you the out for one day later on, a very easy key that you can eventually unlock uh, and say, okay, they're back. But that's where there's a part of me that thinks that could definitely happen, but there's another part of me that thinks that even though that would be a tempting option, that maybe they wouldn't choose it because the audience would just assume, well, if you trapped them there, then I don't believe they're really gone. I just, I really do believe they're just gone for now. So you haven't really resolved the situation. You haven't really concluded it. You've just put it on hold for a while. 
And I think the idea of Endgame really is to kind of shut the door on some things and shut it in a way that maybe feels a little more permanent. But as I said, the way they did it in Thanos Imperative actually made it seem like it was going to be permanent. If it wasn't a comic book, you would have believed it was permanent. So they could they could probably do something like that in the MCU, whether that's trapping him in the Soul Stone or some other, you know, spitting him off into some other piece of the multiverse via the quantum realm. Uh, so yeah, there are options besides a there's there are options to kill him without physically killing him for sure. Yeah, th- that, I think that's where they could really the the power of Thanos because there's I don't want to say they'd give him what he wanted like rest peace peaceful on a you know grateful universe like he talks about in Infinity War, but I feel that it's almost giving him what he wants is this balance of control in a sense to where. It's it's like the extreme of what he wants was mm. everything around him is gone, so he almost will will see he's he'll realize the the power of what he is in now that he wanted was to get rid of life. Well, they're gonna put him somewhere where he has where he's the only life, and that will cause him to realize the folly of his ways in some way. Um, and maybe they can imply that I don't, I don't know, but I feel that that's kind of where they could go with it after maybe he does brutally kill Steve Rogers. God, don't think about it. I don't know that Thanos would get to deliver a brutal killing blow to Steve Rogers. I think if Steve goes down, Steve goes down delivering the killing blow, but it's just going to kill Steve too. I I think it's that kind of thing. I don't necessarily think. Uh, I don't think Thanos is going to be, you know, chumping out Steve Rogers. I just don't see that happening. Uh, I, you, know, you never know. But no, you, got- you never know. But I, I do think I do think Thanos is going down. But one other thing I want to bring up before we before we wrap up here is, um, you know, another interesting thing for Thanos that we kind of skipped over is what is Thanos like in the beginning of this movie? You know, what is he like when you when you get when you want something so bad and it's all you've ever wanted or all you've wanted for however long Thanos has been wanting this thing uh, to kill half of everybody in the universe? What is it like for Thanos when he finally achieves that? You know, he the idea of resting. Okay, fine. I, I get that. But a guy like Thanos, I don't know how well he does with rest. You know, like maybe he feels good because he just accomplished it. But then what else does that you know, how? You know, how does that idea of, uh, you know, because some people, they're not, they don't vacation very well. And so is Thanos going to be the kind of guy who can really rest? Uh, or, and if he is the, the kind of guy who can really rest, then certainly we can expect him to be that much more enraged when he realizes the Avengers actually have a plan to undo what he did. Because here he is thinking he's finally accomplished the one thing he set out to do, and he actually got the victory, and now they're trying to take it back out from under him. Uh, so you can certainly expect the Mad Titan to really live up to that portion of his name uh, once the once he realizes, because right now he probably doesn't think he has a single threat in the entire universe. How does Thanos respond when he realizes he does? And I think, you know, as as threatening, as menacing as Thanos has been in, in uh, Infinity War, I think it will go up a few notches in Endgame because he's going to be really, really pissed off. It's one thing to... Be mad at the people who are trying to stop you from achieving your goal, but I think it's another level when you actually achieved it and somebody's trying to take it away. Yeah, there's man, it's going to be really fascinating to see what he's like in this beginning of this movie. Like you said, I have no idea what it were. There's, there's the idea of having everything given to you and and given what you want and having that peace potential potentially. But also the fact maybe that he senses or how how does it work? Because we don't really know if the if the gauntlet's working, and because it again, works at least a little bit. It worked well enough to get Stormbreaker out of his chest and heal that wound and use the Space Stone to get away from Thor. So it works. We just don't know how well. But I think yeah. it, I think it still works fine, honestly. It's really okay, well. So my whole thing is the fact that you know he's wearing his armor again. There's. It, again, I don't want to get into. I'm not going to deep into theories by any means, but yeah. But I mean, I remember in the marketing where they would constantly hide how many Infinity Stones, uh, or they mm. were in the marketing for Infinity War. They were hiding how many stones Thanos had. 
because uh, even on Titan in the uh, in the trailers on Titan, he they were showing him with just two stones, and he had more than that. He had every stone except the last two. He had four on Titan in the movie, and so there's a part of me that wonders if the reason Thanos is armored up is because maybe he doesn't have a full gauntlet at that point in time. Mm. You know, mm. the Avengers might beat Thanos more than once. You know, in this movie, it may be a thing of undoing what he did. I mean, I don't want to go too wild in speculation because then we'll be here forever, but just saying it it may not, what we're seeing as we know when it's the Russos, especially in these trailers, what we're seeing may not be all, you know, all may not be as it seems. Uh, But of course I I can get so deep into the weeds on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I do over at patreon.com slash Marvel studios (laughs) news. So it is available, but yeah, Yeah. it's I don't know. There's a lot, but once I think Thanos, being happy and resting as much as he can, because I still don't know how well he does in retirement, but I don't know how long he'll have to enjoy it before he realizes that the Avengers are, are trying to take away his uh, his almost eternal life's work. And uh, once that and how he responds to that, I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty devastating. But I, I ultimately the Avengers, they will pay. A, they will pay a high price, but they will beat this guy uh, and then he will be gone forever or gone for a uh, for a very very long time now we are not going to be gone for a very long time <laughs> this is going to be the last episode you will hear most likely as i'm recording this i'm pretty sure this is the way it's going to go down because uh, this episode is going to be posted just a few days uh, shy of opening night for avengers endgame and then we will be back with you for our spoiler review and I mean, I got to imagine, I mean, we talked about Infinity War for at least a couple weeks on the podcast, probably going to be the same thing, if not more, <sighs> for Avengers Endgame. We're going to be talking about the movie for a lot, uh, mm-hmm. or for a long time, because uh, it'll be, although it won't be that long after Endgame that we'll start having to shift our attention at least a little bit towards uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, but if this is indeed, if this does indeed prove to be the last episode, the last time we talked to you before Avengers Endgame, would just like to say thank you so much for being on this journey with us. We've been doing this podcast for about a little over four years now, but we had a pretty lengthy hiatus in there. We've been back very consistently since the beginning of 2018, and a lot of you were with us for our road to Infinity War and ever uh, and ever since then. And then plenty of you have stuck with us through this In the Endgame series or found us through this In the Endgame series. Uh, whenever you joined and started listening, thank you so much uh, for, for coming in and having this kind of fun with us, talking about Marvel all the time. Paul and I really love doing this. Yes. Um, and it's such a special time to reach this point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we are at the end of an era. And mm-hmm. I, we, there's never been anything like this. I've been, I'm 35. I've seen a lot of movies in my day, been seen a lot of franchises, loved a lot of franchises. I wasn't here for the original run of Star Wars. <laughs> But even that, the original run was three movies. This was 22 over 11 years, and we've and to all culminate in this event with Avengers Endgame, it's incredibly special. I feel privileged to even be here, at, to have witnessed this, this entire run for the MCU. And of course, it's going to be a pri- and it's uh, that much more of a pri- uh, privilege to be able to share the experience with my dear friend Paul and with all of yes. you, uh, and especially those of you who we get to chat with on the Discord and the Patreon. Uh, thank you all just so much for being here. And so I would just like to to say, enjoy the hell out of Avengers Endgame. It's been an incredible journey to get here. This is a wonderful moment. You're going to be glad you were here to witness it. Uh, so just try to take it in and enjoy it as much as you possibly can, because uh, this is a special moment, not just in the history of the MCU. I think this is a special moment in the history of all of cinema. So please do enjoy it for all that it's worth. Have a blast on opening night or opening weekend whenever you see the film, and we will be right back with you uh, once we all see Avengers Endgame with our spoiler review. Any last words, Paul? Or last words for now, not last words in the history of the podcast. Well, well, right, right, right. No, I guess for me, this is the this is a surreal moment that we're going to get a some kind of finale with with something that I never even thought we'd come to this conclusion mm-hmm. as far as I thought Avengers would be it. That would be, that was, or at least that, that was it felt as like big it was, as it, it would get it, anyway. Yeah. It felt like it was going to, it wasn't going to be as big as that. And the fact that even when they teased Thanos at the end of Avengers one, 
it, it didn't, it felt, it didn't feel like, it felt like that was going to be the natural next movie. Okay. Get it. But no, they went a step further and built it up even more. And it became something that I could relate to as a comic book, you know, longtime comic book fan that they built this up over a long period of time and they went for the long game and now they're, we're here at the end game. So it is a surreal moment for me. It's, it's really exciting to see everyone just the, this. It's such a unique film. The fact that infinity war came out, blew all our minds off. Like I, I am still flabbergasted how good that movie is. And the fact that this movie is barely showing anything of trailers, they've, they barely have shown the trailer at all. And it's, and it's already outselling infinity war and it's, it's crazy. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on and I'm just so like just baffled and just going to accept and love what we're doing right now because it's, you know, who knows we'll have another time like it. I don't know, but right now I'm just going to enjoy it because this is one of a kind and I think we got to embrace it. And if anything, Marvel has shown that, you know, that continuity doesn't have to be just for, you know, medium or the, mm-hmm. the different mediums like books and comics and whatnot, that people love the continuity of, of films coming together. People just love seeing things connected. And I think the Marvel is just proving that more and more every time they put a movie out. And this is just the, the culmination of, of, you know, 11 years of that. So it's really special, super special. Yeah. I mean, we might see this again, but it's going to be several years from now at the very least. And Oh, by the way, uh, it won't be the first time, you know, it won't be, it it will be something that, you know, Marvel Studios has already done before, or somebody else comes up with their own shared universe that all comes together in this kind of way. It will be something that somebody else has delivered before. Uh, But this is the first time we're seeing this kind of culmination of this kind of series on this scale. It's just, it's never, ever happened before. So to be able to witness this history as it's happening uh, it is as we keep saying very very special and a very and just uh, as i also said just a privilege to be here and so grateful to also be able to share this experience with each and every one of you that is where we are going to wrap up this episode and our in the end game series thanks for following along you can keep following along with us at marvelstudiosnews.com Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where they where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 AKAP. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the endgame. We'll see you after. We're in the endgame now.